Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about inflation, mortgage rates, and inventory as we gear up for the spring home buying season. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. It is wonderful to have you on. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. So uh, first thing we want to talk about is inflation. So the inflation headline number came in a little hot on Thursday. What did you make of that? Looks perfectly normal that the downtrend inflation has been here for some time. And the 10-year yield is still near 4%. Um, mortgage rates are still high. I, I, again, I, I think the mistake last year was that people thought because the growth rate of inflation is falling, mortgage rates should fall with it. But then you go into what where you think your range is. This is why I always ask people, if people are telling you their mortgage rate forecast, Make sure to ask them where they think the 10-year yield range should be. And this is, I think, where the separation of my work against anyone in housing, um, I always focus on 10-year yield channels rather than mortgage rates. And of course, the spreads uh, uh, are still bad. And there's a potential for mortgage rates to go down 1% just if the spreads get better. But uh, the growth rate of inflation fell. I know the, the headline came in a little bit hotter, but what's holding this up uh, is it's going to go much lower. Shelter inflation just simply not going to uh, be doing these, uh, or rent prints are not going to have these month-to-month prints. That's going to start to uh, take some uh, really deceleration as the year goes on. So the market kind of knows this, uh, and the 10-year yield fell, and, and the PPI inflation came out today. Nothing really big on that. But I always like to emphasize that the growth rate of inflation fell with the unemployment rate low, with jobless claims low, with job openings high, uh, and also the stock market is, you know, almost at uh, all-time high. So it's not, uh, it's not like you needed a job loss recession or a stock market to be down thirty or forty percent because people are using their money to create inflation. So all this happened right in front of everyone's face that told us. We needed a job loss recession. We needed the unemployment rate at 10% for one year, seven and a half for two two years, 6% for five years. We need the stock market to go down because people have too much money. So not the case. And uh, because of that, we can talk about rate cuts in 2024. I love this discussion. No, and I, I would say that, you know, the reason that we didn't need all those things to cool down inflation is because the, you know, what caused the inflationary period is different than like what caused it in the 1970s, right? You're like, it, it's a global pandemic. This is just the way things happen. It's a global pandemic. And after what we have seen in the last 12 months, if you're still in a 1970s camp, and we have a lot of people that do this, they take this chart of the 1970s and they show, okay, well, here's the first wave of inflation. We're going to have the second wave of inflation and we're going to have the third wave of inflation. So this is a gimmick. Um, it, it, it's just not the same, right? I mean, the growth rate of inflation, even during the pandemic, got kind of nowhere close to the uh, 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 the highs of the inflationary data as we had to do in the last two cycles of the '70s. So, completely different ballgame. Um, and 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 again, I, I know the frustration by a lot of people because they were told, "Well, the growth rate of inflation and mortgage rates should be down to five percent." Remember, global bond yields are higher than where 
everyone is used to, to used to. And the inflation before the global pandemic, which is the funny part, uh, we we could barely keep core inflation above two percent, you know, post nineteen ninety six uh, in this century. So it's going to take time to get not only just us, but the whole world back down to a level to where some people are calling for mortgage rates to go. But uh, same thing as last year, four and a quarter on the 10 year yield on top, 3.21 on the bottom. The Gandalf line is at 3.37, 5.75 to seven and a quarter. If the spreads get better, mortgage rates could go uh, uh, 62 basis points to 1% lower just off of that. Uh, and we'll just take the economic data, right? Labor data right now. Labor always inflation. That's our paper, rock, scissors game that we talked about last year. And hopefully now that we're sitting here with, we're talking about rate cuts. Like, how did that happen? You know, uh, um, we're not at 2%, but the Fed overhiked. And because they overhiked, they gave themselves this wiggle room to start cutting. Where we talked about this in 2022, they should have stopped at four and a half or four and a quarter to, to match their forecast of where they saw core PCE was going to head. And it's gone, it's gone lower than their own forecast. So naturally, they have to cut. And I think the, a lot of this confusion is before the 10-year yield and mortgage rates went up to uh, you know 5% on the 10-year, 8% on mortgage rates, the Fed was starting its groundworks to talk about rate cuts because the growth rate of inflation. So this is a very good and important discussion we're having because we won't be here if inflation was running at seven, eight, nine percent um, But it doesn't necessarily mean mortgage rates start collapsing, right? The labor data needs to get weaker. The Fed is now starting to talk about what we want them. Uh, maybe the quantitative tightening becomes a little bit slower, right? So the Fed has levers to pull if they want to, um, but they're not choosing to. And this is why I'm saying this is not a Fed pivot this is just them correcting a mistake of over hiking uh, in 2023 and toward the end of 2022. So what would it be practically, what would it look like if it was a Fed pivot instead of what's happening now? Like what what's the practical difference on the street? The Fed pivot would mean we are going to a neutral because they're not accommodative, right? You know, this is not zero interest rate policy and, and, and bond buying here. This is, we are, we are, our goal is to go to a neutral stance, which means really uh, probably a 2% reduction in rate cuts. Uh, so far, they're just saying, okay, we were very restrictive, but we're still restrictive policy to keep our, you know, 2% policy. So they're not, they're not pivoting. They're just sounding less hawkish and talking about, okay, we need to take some of these rate hikes back. Uh, this is why I thought four and a quarter to four and a half, they should have just stopped there. It still would have been neutral based on where their forecasts were. So core PCE is running at three and a half percent. I mean, you're still not matching that on a 12 month. It's, it's, we're running at 2% on three to six month core PCE and the Fed funds rate is still above 5%. We are not pivoting. Uh, we are still restrictive. And the housing policy, right? The reason I say economic, the, the Federal Reserve has a COVID-19 housing policy. Um, rates are very high. I mean, restrictively high with where the growth rate of inflation is. So they're not. They're, have you ever heard the Fed say anything about housing? I mean, a anything positive, like they want to change something like nothing. They All they've done is, OK, housing reset, fine. Powell made a mistake about saying housing bubble, because when you say that word housing bubble, then you become rookie bubble boy, which means prices have to crash, inventory has a skyrocket. So that was a mistake on his part. I, I could forgive the anti-central bank movements for saying that because that's who they are, but Powell should have never even gone that route. That's amateur hour. 
But here, all they did last year is they said housing was recovering while purchase application data was falling. And it went back to the levels of 1995, where gangster paradise, don't chase waterfalls, no doubt. This is their housing recovery. When we were listening to those songs, come on, man. I mean, it's just, again, when I say to the Fed staffers, if you see purchase application data is going down to 1995 levels, you rip that housing recovery uh, talking point out of their speech, right? Don't let your boss sound like that on on uh, on record. It makes them look like a rookie. So they're not doing anything. They're just kind of COVID-19, whatever. But you can't be afraid to live, right? I mean, this is this is my this is my thing, right? We 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 did it. We 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 were very aggressive. We brought the growth rate of inflation down. You're going to have to at some point man up and say something about the housing market because the existing home sales market is still this is the third calendar year where we are at record lows demand and the reason i say record lows demand because we have over 157 million people working 335 million existing home sales are back to the great financial crisis levels right so we don't think of it as a crisis because people aren't losing their homes and home prices are crashing but the demand right this is why I always say the housing recession is still here on the existing side because demand fell, income fell, jobs fell, right? They have to go up, right? Demand has to go up for a recovery to happen. And we're, we're at such low levels. And this is why the numbers I give people, if we can get 12 to 18 months of existing home sales ranging between 4.71 uh, or, four, excuse me, 4.72 million to 3.51 million in there, then we're back to the, you know, uh, a, a two decade trend of 5 million trending sales on the existing home sales market. But we're, we're not there. The policy is still very restrictive. So we'll see how the year goes, but it's a good thing that we're talking about rate cuts. And I think this is where people have different views on the Fed. Uh, they can cut 75 basis points in the next meeting and they're still restrictive. And this is the thing, the, the discussion of real yields, where the growth rate of inflation is and where the Fed funds rate, where the 10 year yields is still uh, restrictive. This is not a pivot in, in that sense. So this is a really very pertinent discussion always on rates for our audience. But the fact is when this goes live, because we are uh, recording this on January 12th, which is a Friday, but starting uh, when this goes live, on, goes live on Monday is kind of starting where you look at like, here's where we should see the seasonal increase, right? Um, this is where the, you really want to see some things happen to decide what's going to happen with the spring home buying season. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I mean, the purchase application data this last week was up 6%. So uh, we don't do the unadjusted numbers. People, I saw people using the 40% increase week to week. We don't use the unadjusted numbers. And, and listen, do not take the last few weeks of the year and don't take the first week of January because of Christmas. Guys, I, I, I can't believe I still have to say this. Because of Christmas and New Year's, people don't usually go shopping for homes, Okay. Right. So naturally, the holidays give you a little lull, right, naturally. And then that first bounce is just because it's the start of the year. So we ignore the last few weeks of, of the year and the first week. We go from the second week of January to the first week of May. And we'll see. We'll see how it is. Again, we're we're talking about mortgage rates still being near 7%. This is not like 5%. If, we, if, if, if mortgage rates were between 4.75 to 5.87 for at least 12 to 18 months and we didn't see any volatility, we got a, we can get to that 4.72 uh, a million level, but we are right now all it is is a historical low bounce. Uh, 
and we'll see how this goes. But uh, every year that goes on, wages grow. So the rate factor wages, the equilibrium starts to get a, a little bit better. Uh, uh, but again, we still have COVID-19 housing economic policy, and we're just like afraid to live. Now, what we don't want, what we saw last year, what I thought was very detrimental was Kashkari come out in February and say 6% mortgage rates is not good. Oh my God, you people are buying homes and you're having sex and you're creating households and no, you make our jobs harder. You do not want people that are afraid to live. God, you just that that's just not the way to roll in the 21st century. Um, so hopefully we don't get that action again. And if the 10-year yield goes down, if, if the labor data gets weaker, uh, we go with it. But as of right now, that 3.80 line stuck. We had a really big move down on lower yields. Rates are a little bit lower. Demand's picking up a little bit. But again, context is key. We're running from an extremely low bar. So take that move up higher in relationship to where we are uh, right now. Context is key too in mortgage rates because a lot of it is just, you know, consumer perception, right? So um, in the past, if we were at this level, I mean, this wouldn't be exciting to anyone. After we hit 8%, you know, at least we're all relieved that we're in the, you know, uh, in the high sixes, right? I mean, that seems better by, you know, by comparison, but it's not great. No, it's not great. And and just remember that I've always had this fundamental belief, this tracking housing data uh, since 2010. It's really rare to get under 4 million and go much lower. So there are a group of, this is why I've always talked about, you know, there's that, there's just that group of 4 million home buyers that are just there every single year. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people with dual household incomes that they make money. And of course, baby boomers don't really finance as much as younger people. So um, for that group, boy, 8% to 6 points. Oh my God, because they were home buyers anyway, right? So it's that rate of change of how many, how much do we capture when rates go lower and how much do we lose? But that 4 million, this is why I've always talked about this, especially post COVID, that 4 million level has stuck now. And a lot of people just don't know that. I just think that's just a lack of experience of not tracking housing data. So I, I can understand that some people just thought we were going to go from 4 million to 2 million because nobody could buy homes. But if you look at all the housing, this is why I was like, say, look at all the housing data from 1996 to 2023, even at the great financial recession where credit got very tighter, we got down to like 3.72 million. I'm not counting the home buyer tax credit low of 3.45. That, that's, that's a terrible thing. That happened back then, but um, we're just here. And for these buyers, of course, yeah, eight to 6.75. But to get the other buyers to come in, 6.75 down to 4.75, that pool grows bigger, right? That equilibrium, you know, supply and demand economics. But rate goes down, then these buyers actually come into the mix of the discussion. But for those people that were buying homes or looking to buy homes, yeah, eight to six and a half sounds wonderful. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
So as we head into this new season and some variables have changed, what's going to, what does the tracker look like this year versus last year? And you maybe talk about what it is you look at and what you think is most valuable this year in this changing environment. I think one thing to really track uh, this year is that because it looks like, of course, the price cut percentages are going to go below 2023 levels. If mortgage rates keep on going lower and lower, um, let's keep an eye on that. I think that was that I, I, I keep on repeating this, but I think the story of 2023 was that when mortgage rates went up to 8% and everybody's like, Whoa, this is the end of the world, right? You ever see these people on the internet? It's like they show the city of Tampa. And because Tampa inventory is rising or whatever, it's like 1929 and 2008. Listen, for some of you that are listening to this, get a life, right? Go do something. Don't waste your baby boomer life sitting on Twitter trolling about Tampa, Florida. Sarah, Look, and our listeners are smart. They're the detective, not the troll. This no, no, is listen, our we, listener. We, we have, listen, after the whooping the anti-central bank people have gotten in the last few years, there's a lot of them listening now. And this is to you. You guys need to get a life. You guys are old men sitting behind a computer trolling for what? There's no gold god. I'm, I'm telling you guys this. There is no gold god waiting for you. You're not going to get 40,000 gold pieces when wherever you go, right? progress live you're in america in the 21st century what are you doing seriously get a life right it's like oh the epicenter is florida oh my god we're 1929 and 2008 you have children right your children look up to you come on seriously if if it, if it's too much of a problem then you can leave argentina if they get rid of the fed go deflation whatever economic but come on at some point, you have to look yourself in the mirror and go, what's wrong with me? Get help. There are tons of places where you can get help. You can even get it online. In any case, in any case, what, what we want to see is when the tracker comes out each week, because I'm not a mortgage rate lockdown person, obviously. Sarah and I have had this discussion debate for a long time. Um, new listings data should grow. Sellers or buyers, we're working from such low levels. We want to see the tracker on the new listing side and the price cut side a little bit more than what we what we are accustomed to because I think that was the data line last year. When mortgage rates went up to 8%, the price cut percentages were still 4% below the entire time from seven and a quarter to 8%. And for me, it was like I was looking for inventory to grow just between 11 to 17,000 on the weekly active inventory. That's not a lot, but God, it never got there, not one time. So that was a really big deal. And I kept on writing on the tracker. I said, hello, is anybody reading this stuff? And and let's just focus on that a little bit more, um, especially if, let's just assume rates fall a little bit faster than what people think. Uh, let, let's keep an eye on that because that, that can change the dynamics because the whole savagely unhealthy housing market was this concept of, this is the first time in recent history where the supply story was the big story wasn't record-breaking demand like we saw from 2002 to 2005. We just had too many people chasing too few homes. So what areas of the U.S. would have that issue? This is why I want total supply back to 2019 levels so we have a little bit of buffer. Uh, obviously, we didn't get there as a country. There's parts of the U.S. that are at 2019 levels. I would, I would deem those perfectly healthy, uh, uh, even though some people say the demand isn't good. 
it's no longer that seller controls the marketplace. That equilibrium is getting healthy. So let's keep an eye on the new listings data and the price cut percentages. Of course, active listings, uh, we, we want that to bottom out sooner. But I thought that focus was let go. Uh, um, uh, and people just focused on the rate, not the internals of the data, and they missed it, right? And I think, uh, again, reading is a good thing. We do this so everybody is informed with the right data. Let's move on with this this year so we don't kind of get left behind because, Sarah, we don't want to be old and slow, right? Oh, oof, icky. No, we want to have everyone fresh in data and everybody works together, an entire country reading the same data lines that matter and not these fanatical conspiracy theories that run out there on TikTok and Instagram and X and YouTube and, oh God, the silver tsunami. <laughs> well, anecdotally, um, so lots of us at Housing Wire, we watch the housing market, not just from a professional standpoint, but personally, lots of us are are in it. We're always looking at our local things. So we have this chat and we, we're all talking about, oh, I'm seeing more listings here. I'm seeing more listings here. Um, I personally am uh, in the hunt for a house. So I, I can tell you that just in the last week, things look a, a little bit different and I'm not in a, a super hot area or anything. So, you know, maybe we'll see some, some people say, Hey, you know, this is it. This is 2024. Sarah, Sarah uh, in regards to that, you mean, you mean new listings data grows at the time. It always grows every single year. I'm shocked. Yes, right? I know. I'm I know. Sh I'm shocked. That, seasonal... I'm shocked that every single year, the new listings data starts to pick up right at the time. And people say there's new listings, right? So of course the new listings data is um, uh, one of the things that we, we just, we just had a lack of sellers last year. And I, I always thought because mortgage rates were going up higher and the new listings data didn't take a leg lower, that was like a really big deal to me. I'm like, oh my God, we're finding a bottom. So as somebody that believes in pro supply is, is a positive, not a negative, I was like, okay, we could get new listings data to grow. So it's growing on a year-over-year -year basis. It's very seasonal, happens every single year. It's shocking. Oh my God, the first week of January, there's more homes on the market. Really happens all the time. Listen, but, Logan, you can, you can make fun of me, but I'm just saying it's a good sign. Oh, I'm not making fun of just you, Sarah. I'm just making, I'm just, I've seen these <laughs> Slack things that I'm like, dude, come on. It happens every year. So the rate of change, right? The growth rate. Um, so far it, it, it's very small growth, but I always say that when we look at the new listings data, the growth has to come in the spring and there's a gap between the new listings data in, in toward the after July of 2022, all of 2023, you look 2021 levels and 2022 levels, right? We, if we could get up to like 75 to 90,000 new listings in the, in the heat months of spring, that's good. That's relatively what would be kind of normal. We did dip to an all-time low in 2021 and 2022. But if we get back there, we're back to normal. This is why I'm saying we, we want this growth, but we need to have it in the spring years. Uh, and remember, the new listings count are those homes that go onto the market that don't have an offer, right? It's the count and that's how the inventory can grow. Uh, and again, uh, just for some references, uh, 2008 to 2011, uh, the new listings data was trending at 250,000 to 400,000 per week, per week, right? So there's a different marketplace, uh, especially in 2010 to 2011, the heat months uh, during that, but 370,000 to 400,000 per week, per week. And here we're trying to break over 90K. But I think the most craziest data line that I, I share with people is that 
the at the end of the year, the beginning of the year is all really the convergence is new listings data is very low. Nobody really goes out and sells their home in Christmas or or, Jan or New Year's. But we were like at 30, 35,000. Uh, back in like during the 2008 period, it was 250,000. So you see the different kind of marketplace. So if you saw a silver tsunami, we'd be like, we'd be running at 500,000 average you know, uh, uh, per week on the new listings count. So obviously it's not the case. So we want new listings data to grow, but let's get it to grow in the heat months of the spring and let's get back to 2021 and 2022 levels. Even though those were the lowest levels ever before rates rose, it's still somewhat kind of normal. Uh, if there's stress in the inventory, we would see the velocity of uh, new listings data go vertical, right? It's just, whoa, just so many people rushing to sell because they can't afford their homes or whatever. Uh, we always keep an eye on that, but that's the one thing I thought last year that a lot of people, it was, it was, it was really funny. 20, 2021, 2022, and 23, if you were a functioning adult and visually could see it had a second grade education and can read, boy, the new listings data was telling you nothing was going on. But it was the Airbnb crash. It was this crash. Silverstone, all these things were happening. It was literally trending at the lowest levels ever recorded history. Like, And for some people, it's a very new data line. They don't even know it exists. But now, again, that's why we created the tracker. We don't leave you behind. I am holding your hand 24-7 live all the time. You guys that follow me on Instagram know I nerd out with Instagram stories 24. We don't sleep here. But we will guide you. We'll get you to read. And everybody works together. That's the key for uh, uh, 2024. So in addition to the tracker, I would tell our listeners that um, not this week, but next, we're going to have what we call, instead of Housing Wire, it's Housing Week. And we have a whole bunch of uh, really fun events planned. Logan's going to be taking uh, part in some of those. Very excited to see. At the end of that, I'm going to be having the um, commission debate, the commission lawsuit debate with Michael Ketchmark and with Anthony Lamacchia. We have something every day. and so And so look for that because we are... Um, doing that and and having some membership specials, it's just going to be really fun. Sarah Wheeler, you are going to showcase another debate and you are still keeping the mortgage rate lockdown, locked down. You're locking that debate down and people every week are saying, I want to see that debate. And you have purposely kept that away from the public. I don't blame you. If I, if I, lost, the, if I lost that bad, I would keep that away. But I just want everybody who keeps on telling me, Where's the video? Uh, everyone email Sarah Wheeler, right? At sarahhwmedia.com and ask her to release the tapes, right? People want to see this. No, really, please don't. I believe it's already available. I'm going to check into that because we you have say this every week. Sarah, know, you say this every I'm week. Like, I'm going to, I'm. it's like you. I'm going to let, I say, let's unleash Logan and I'll get back to you. And like, we ask the tapes. You're like, oh, I'm going to go back and read this. Really? Come on. You're going to have another debate and you're just like neglecting the one we had months ago. Okay. So by the next time I interview you, I will have, I will know where it is, but people, please do not email me, ask me to release the tapes. I'm not keeping them hostage. Uh, so yes, uh, we have much to discuss. There's going to be a fun week. Uh, tune in and Logan, thanks for being on today. Pleasure to be here. And for everyone, let's remember, let's just keep an eye on the economic data, especially the labor data. Uh, uh, and, and if you're still somewhat confused why mortgage rates are still high, just think of that channel, four and a quarter, 3.21, everything kind of looks right. If the labor data gets softer, and, and I, I, trust me, I, I really believe this. If jobless claims are running at 300,000 right now, 
uh, the 10 year yield is trying to break through that Gandalf line and where the mortgage rates could even be uh, 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 fighting to get sub 5% at that level. We're not there yet, but of course, uh, the history of economics have always told us when the market believes the Fed is done, bond markets rally, mortgage rates lie. We saw that, but that unfortunately happened at 5% down to 3.80. It would have been great if it's four and a quarter down to 3.21. But this is the, the hands we were all dealt with, but we got to take it uh, day by day. Thank you again. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.